Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast, PhD podcast. I'm very del I'm delighted to welcome Megan Guilfoyle from the School of Medicine. Uh, Megan, uh, you're very, very welcome to the podcast and thank you for taking the time uh, to let us know about your research and about your career aspirations. Could you give us some background, Megan, about yourself and yeah, what your journey? Yeah, thanks, Jer. So yeah, as you said, my name is Megan Guilfoyle and I'm an international student actually from Canada studying in the School of Medicine in the Public and Patient Involvement Research Unit. So a bit about my research, if I may. Um, so it explores uh, using a trust lens and social network analysis to better understand how and why um, participatory health research partnerships work well and how to improve them uh, when they do not. So uh, to expand a little bit on that, um, participatory health research uh, is research carried out with or by people impacted by the topic of research rather than on, about or for them. Uh, it's, okay. goal, its goal there is just to create meaningful partnerships between researchers and patients, community members or other relevant participants for whom the benefit is intended. And this is the hopes with the hopes of improving the quality, uh, relevance and outcomes of the research. So to reach this goal, we have to understand what makes a good partnership. So if our partnerships are meaningful and functioning effectively throughout the stages of research and how to improve them if they're not working well. Um, so a little bit more research of de uh, researchers have developed uh, models that include um, components required to have successful partnerships, um, but it's not clear why or how certain components of these models work. So my research really hopes to better understand the why and the how these components work. Um, so we think partnerships represents a social network, which tells us how people are connected with each other. And the tools that describe okay. and measure social networks can help us better understand these connections. So in this work, we're really looking at partnerships as social networks, and we want to explore how we can use these social network tools and techniques, which is often called social network analysis, um, to better explore these partnerships and understand why and how they're working well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's really, really, that's that's absolutely fascinating. And tell us, Megan, could you just give us some insight into where this interest came from, you know, yeah. in uh, in participatory, re participatory research? Yeah, of course. So, um, well, really my interest in pursuing a PhD was initially sparked when I became more involved in research in academia and recognize that there is really an abundance of useful knowledge being generated, but often there's a lack of action that followed or in mm -hmm. followed in a timely manner. Okay. So, you know, I quickly realized that a major uh, contributor to this was the actual knowledge being generated was not um, always the knowledge appropriate for the setting or for the particular end users or those who would benefit from this knowledge. So really this uh, recognition was enforced through my involvement uh, working with marginalized groups especially people with dementia uh, throughout my master's. So it became really clear that research and in particular things like product development often uh, excluded individuals with dementia in the process or didn't really know how to uh, foster authentic partnerships to engage with them meaningfully and respectfully. So, you know, equally as important, the output from the studies uh, in which significant resources are often invested, were not translating these findings into practice. So we, you know, I recognize that, okay, there's a clear gap here to not from knowledge to practice. And I wanted to explore different methodological and ideological processes that could then generate more um, action oriented and applicable knowledge. 
So I really became increasingly involved and invested in participatory health research um, because I began to notice really firsthand how an iterative and dynamic process fostered more authentic partnerships um, with those who would actually benefit from and use the knowledge generated through research findings. And of course, that really translates into more applicable, meaningful and ethically sound applications, which could be incorporated in an efficient and timely manner. So really, it was seeing how effective this approach was and how necessary uh, it is for academics to meaningfully involve the public and the patients in research from the start, from co-design to dissemination. Um, and then I just, you know, became really invested in better understanding and incorporating this really, it's really an innovative paradigm shift into mm. research and practice. Absolutely. And then, and why a PhD in this area, Megan? You know, what was it in your academic background that kind of compelled you to want to do a PhD in this area of participatory research? Yeah, that's a great question, Jer. So, um, well, my partner and I originally moved to Ireland when uh, he was accepted into the graduate medical program at UL, um, which really got me thinking about how I can progress my own career and research interests in Ireland. So I came across... Uh, this amazing work being done in the public and patient involvement research unit in the School of Medicine and quickly realized that I would be immersed in an academic environment that combines both excellent support for research and training. So, you know, a bit more about this, as I mentioned it briefly, but the University of Limerick School of Medicine um, and public and patient involvement research unit uh, is one of the only permanent academic units in Europe, uh, which is dedicated to the study of community and patient engagement. Okay. Mm -hmm. So really this unit draws on the tradition of participatory health research to promote uh, meaningful partnerships between uh, stakeholders and health uh, for health research. Um, and it's also a designated WHO uh, collaborating center for migrants involvement in health research and is a national leader in the development of graduate training for participatory health research. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and, you know, really uh, being involved in this, uh, in the PPI unit allowed me to have access to work with, um, within their large national research grants where I can, you know, have access and work with different experts from community, academia, um, health services, and with a wide, uh, sorry, healthcare services with wide ranging experience in PPI and community-engaged research. And not to mention, I have the most wonderful supervisors who often who continually support me on this journey. So that's a that's an added yeah, focus. Fun, fundamental. Yeah. And my, yeah. actually, my, my question was going to be, you know, why specifically uh, the University of Limerick? But I think, you know, I think you, you I think you've offered a, a fantastic oh. answer there. Megan, just with regard to, you know, uh, the work being undertaken in the, in the public patient involvement research unit, you know, I think it just, yeah. you know, and and then obviously having great supervisors makes such a difference. Obviously, you know, that is, you know, having great supervisors, obviously one of the most important relationships mm -hmm. that you'll have, you know, throughout your th throughout your PhD. But that's no, that's great. It's great to hear that that kind of work going on, you mm -hmm. know, something which perhaps not all of us are aware of even within the University of Limerick you know because yes, it is such a exactly. you know such a I suppose a diverse campus in so many ways you know and so it's great to hear mm -hmm. um, and the 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 standing of of um, of of and the, and the the importance of the um, of the public patient involvement uh, research unit as well because uh, you know some, something which is not very much um publicized i suppose and just how it's, mm -hmm. it's preeminence in fact you know in global terms also that's exactly. really really excellent to hear so i'm yeah. just going to ask you megan just about you know um uh, what would a typical day you know working on your phd consist of you know 
Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get to meet patients, uh, you know, through the pandemic? Do you actually get to, you know, meet patients face to face or is it done virtually through, you know, given that we are in the midst of a pandemic at the moment? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you, you know, you're right. Like I would say, you know, given the state of the world uh, this last year, like for many others, has been anything but typical. Um, luckily, my work doesn't involve me being on campus or in a lab setting, so I'm able to work from home. Okay. Um, and really, it's just often I'm at my desk at 8.30 with a coffee in my hand, opening up my emails, checking the calendar for the day. Um, lots of Zoom meetings, um, or Teams meetings as well. Um, and really just looking through the endless emails, often me sending them to my primary supervisor. Sorry, John. <laughs> um, and yeah, so a lot of the work that I do now is just in a, it's all in a virtual setting, right? So I do a lot of uh, Zoom and team meetings with uh, different partners that are involved in the project. Um, and so it's really great that we have uh, the ability to do it all virtually. Um, so my research hasn't been so impacted uh, okay. at this point. So that's been really nice uh, for me to progress and continue on the PhD journey. Excellent. No, that's really good to hear, Megan. And could you um, let us know, just let us know sort of what stage you're at at the moment in your PhD and also, um, which I suppose will influence the next question I'm going to ask, which is just about, you know, have you come across, could you tell us an example or give us an example of an instance of coming across, say, a problem Mm. that you encountered in your in your in your PhD and just how you approach that problem and dealt with it and just how you perhaps even overcame it. Yeah, if you could think of an example, that would be great. For sure. So, um, you know, right now, so I'm in my second year of my PhD. um, And what I'm working on kind of at the moment is I just uh, submitted my ethics application for review, which was a great step in kind of solidifying the study protocol um, where we're designing a network survey with with our um, research partners, which has been great. Um, we had, pre- I had previously submitted a scoping review um, and that informed with the conjunction with our research partners, the PhD research questions. So really, once I get this ethics approval, I'm hoping to move forward with uh, the, the data collection, um, which will be three rounds of data collection over the course of the year. Um, and then in terms of challenges, I really think one of the biggest challenges that I face to date is recognizing and having confidence in my own strengths and abilities and really just being okay Mm. with the unknown or not knowing an answer to something immediately. Um, I find, you know, sometimes, as I'm sure many can relate, that I'm my own worst critic. You know, for example, my supervisors or peers, they might be like, oh, what a wonderful presentation. That was really great. But then, you know, I constantly replay it in my mind as if, you know, trying to find mistakes. Um, or, you know, ways that I could have, you know, changed what I said or something to be more accessible. You know, and of course, reflecting is how we improve. Mm. Uh, but sometimes you just need to give yourself a pat on the back and be like, okay, that went well. So I'd say this for me is really the ongoing challenge um, and kind of overcoming it. Well, this constant support of my supervisors who've been amazing for this and also uh, other PhDs uh, facing similar difficulties. This yeah. has been really monumental mm. for me. Um, you know, actually, for example, I, I met another PhD student just this past year in a virtual setting uh, and we connected with each other after. And we now have weekly chats uh, for at least an hour where we just really boost each other up. Um, and we never really have met physically in person, which is the funny part. 
and we've become such good friends. Uh, so this has been really important for me this last yeah. year. Um, and it's kind of the silver lining because I don't know if we would have had that connection if we had met maybe in person. Maybe we would have. But uh, so that's been really important to kind of overcoming these challenges. Yeah, fantastic. And what you raised there is really important, Megan, just with regard to what you talked about just earlier about, you know, um, just being so critical about yourself. And, you know, so, yeah. so many PhD students, because so many P because PhD students are by nature analytical and critical, mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. and uh, that, uh, you know, um, it tends to be the case that so many PhD mm -hmm. students do that, you know, they become yeah. very, very analytical and critical about their own work, you know, and as you say, it's, that is so important to give yourself a pat on the back every now and again, yeah. you know, and so many people suffer, you know, from what we, you know, from what's termed in popular, in popular discourse, I suppose, at least, you know, the imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and there's a good deal of literature now about something called uncertainty, you know, and doing and the uncertainty of, you know, knowing uh, when you're, uh, you know, how to undertake, you know, how to how to actually be identify as a researcher rather yeah. than, you know, rather than say as, a, you know, as a um, as an absorber of knowledge that you're somebody now who is, you know, who is now engaging as a, a creator of new knowledge. And that's a very that can be very intimidating. But yeah. very invigorating and exhilarating as well, you know, that kind of journey right. and that there's so there's a lot about uncertainty and about how uncertainty can be a benefit as well. You know, just, to, you know, we hear so much about, you know, things like transformational learning and, uh, you know, yeah. tr and troublesome knowledge and and getting to grips with that. You know, so it, it is it's it, it, but you've outlined it really well just about how, you know, so many PhD students are hard on themselves and kind mm. of in many cases unnecessarily so, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but that I suppose is the nature of so many PhD students. But no, it's really, really useful that you've you've highlighted that. I'm just going to ask you, Megan, about another area that is, I suppose, very much uh, to the fore in a lot of the literature, not only about PhDs, but about research in general and what you would see as possibly the impact of your PhD in the you know, it, it, of, of your research, you know, what would you hope could be the impact of your PhD? In the, in the future in this whole area of you know, public patient involvement? Yeah, that's a really good question and really, you know, really important to think about even before you engage in your PhD work um, is to think, okay, what, you know, what do I want this to do and what do I want the impact of this to be? Um, so, you know, for me, I would really love for my work to contribute to the foundations of a social network theory of participatory health research. Mm -hmm. Um, understanding that theory building takes many, many years and lots of research, but kind of as a, a foundational component or a contributor to that. And, you know, the value of such a theory is that it can really provide guidance for designing partnerships um, and practical tools that researchers and their partners can use to ensure that they have these meaningful partnerships and are, are empowering each other in these partnerships. And results from the research can help ensure that those impacted by the research topic will then have positive experiences in the research process uh, and create quality and relevant research outcomes to improve health and empower, like I said, empowering people um, to, you know, have that sort of self-determination in their own health. So I yeah. think that's really the ultimate goal kind of there. Yeah, fantastic. No, no, that's a that's a great answer. And in terms of your own career aspirations, Megan, what would they be, you know, after after you graduate? What, what would yeah, you see so yourself perhaps engaging in? What area? 
I mean, it kind of changes over time, but I would I would think as of now, you know, after graduation, the plan is really to be, you know, living back in Canada, where I hope to continue to do research and teach in the area that allows me to facilitate and mobilize um, participatory health research approaches to improve health outcomes and really address uh, these systemic inequities that are faced by more marginalized communities mm. uh, in the Canadian healthcare system. You know, you know, through my, I have a strong passion for health equity, uh, social justice, and drive really to translate knowledge to produce this actionable change uh, relevant to those who stand to benefit from this knowledge. And so I hope I can, you know, eventually become a skilled leader in participatory health research and one day mentor others, you know, in this research area um, as my supervisors are currently mentoring me. So they've been great role models for that. Um, so I hope I can. Um, continue down this path and mentor others in the future. Yeah, great. And that's great to hear about your supervisors and how engaged they are, you know. They're your, wonderful, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really lucky, fabulous. really lucky, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. And um, I just ask you, Megan, um, you know, what would you say are the advantages, would you say, you know, say someone with your qualifications, the qualifications that you have at the moment and say, say, mm -hmm. had you with those qualifications entered the world of work, you know, as a, um, uh, say with the you know with the um, undergraduate degree and a master's and uh, rather than undertake a PhD what would you say are the advantages of doing a PhD rather than following that you know uh, rather than following a, a career path at the moment? Yeah so that's a good question um, and after my master's so I worked at a hospital in Toronto uh, until we found out that we were going to be moving to Ireland so you know, I worked as a research assistant in the Department of Geriatrics. I had some really rich experiential learning, um, applying a lot of skills that I learned in my master's, which was great. Um, you know, but with that being said, you can only progress so much in these roles without the PhD credentials. So, you know, I think the PhD really um, also allows you to learn and explore a topic of interest in a really in-depth way. Mm. Um, that really learning previously has never had the chance to offer. Um, and that's probably given time constraints, you know, you only have a year to, or a semester to follow, yeah. to do this module. And, you know, so I feel like the fact that I can really take um, the time to kind of comprehensively understand something of interest in, in a really profound way is um, exciting and powerful. Um, so I, I really think not only is this quality of learning substantial, but the level of independence encouraged um, to explore a given research area, I feel is something unique that you may not be granted in another setting, you know, especially at this stage, early stage in my career. So I also think, you know, you really learn uh, the skills you learn in regards to mentoring others, uh, being self-disciplined and organized is very helpful and important. And and uh, especially kind of unique to the PhD in the sense that you get to take the time, like I said, to really understand what you're learning in a diff more profound way. Yeah, fantastic. And mm -hmm. I think you've answered or partly answered at least, you know, part of the last question, which would be, you know, what advice would you give to somebody thinking mm -hmm. of doing a PhD? What would you say from your own um, experience so far of doing a PhD? What would you say would be, you know, what what advice would you be would you give to your um little bit younger self we'll yeah. say, before you started um well we kind of touched on it a bit before there but i was just going to say you know you can you can you absolutely most definitely can do it mm. um you know as we were saying you know many of us feel this imposter feeling um uh, you know like we don't belong here or we're just lucky to be where we are maybe we weren't meant to be accepted into this mm. program someone made a mistake you know 
<laughs> but again, you know, I would first recognize that this is common feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, allow yourself to recognize your own triumphs and have confidence in your abilities. Um, you know, you're meant to be here or you can do it if you're looking mm. into into pursuing a PhD. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. Um, but if you're passionate about something, it's these benefits uh, outweigh the challenges, really. Yeah. You know, talking to my friend last week, also in her PhD, I said, you know, we're both in this because we're passionate about what we're researching and want to try, even in a minuscule way, to make the world a better place, really. Um, if you zoom out a moment and focus on, like, the big picture and the reason why, um, then these challenges can kind of seem small in light of, you know, the current and future triumphs. So I think yeah. that's really what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. That's really great. So thank Megan, uh, thank you so much. I mean, you've given us, you have, you know, the necessary passion for the, you know, definitely, you know, for the, for the PhD, which is so, so important. And it sounds like also that you have, you know, another uh, invaluable quality, which is, you know, tenacity and that kind of persistence that so many students, you know, do need that we all need I suppose you know for you know particularly for those doing a PhD I mean we hear about you know the importance of persistence but also the importance of passion you really have that motivation you know um, and you can see that really really coming through and that is that is so fantastic and it's been such a pleasure to hear so much and to learn so much about you know about uh, public patient involvement and participatory research and about the work that you're doing and I'll just say thank you so much for your time and it's been a real pleasure to have you on here and it's been for me such an enlightening experience to hear yeah. about your research so I wish you the very best in terms of your PhD and in terms of your future career and I'm sure you're going to make such a great impact you know not only upon yeah. Canadian society but beyond <laughs> well thank you and you know what I really appreciate this opportunity any chance to kind of chat about the research and like you said I'm really passionate about it so I love sharing um, my own experiences and um, just even with the PhD journey as well um, in addition to the academic interests so thank you so much I yeah. really appreciate it no, no, no that's great no it's been Anna, it's been fantastic to have you here and thank you so much for giving your time so take care. It's all yeah, the best, Megan. Thanks. Yeah, See you, you soon. Well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.